0: You. Yeah. Yeah. Prepare you for all of the above that I'm never letting get near you. But still in all, huh? give you every advantage I found. Couldn't find a better fit for them, along with my crown. Huh? And since the baton was passed, hopping down. Cause feeling's not an option, and dad is not a noun, not at all. Huh? How you doing, sir? Don't know how to on your can you got It looks beautiful,
1: man. It looks it looks beautiful, it looks beautiful. You're on point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. They- Thank you for taking the time to talk to me. I really appreciate it. Uh, okay. Mr. Omwali, um, am I pronouncing it right, sir? Omowali. Omowali. Yes, sir. All right, got it. Which means the child has come in uh, Nigeria, right? The ya- yes. ya- Yaro, um tribe, right? Yoruba, yeah, absolutely. Yoruba tribe, right. But um, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing pretty good. And yourself? I'm doing good. How's your family? My family is good. I appreciate you asking. My pleasure, sir. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me. I know you're busy. You know, you're you're on your grind. Even though we're on lockdown, you're still trying to make the best out of the situation. Um, The reason why I wanted to have a conversation with you is because I think um, when I think of that as announced, I think of changing the narrative. Because usually that narrative that's been told to us is that, the absent black father and yes. that's been told to us for decades for decades and when the the myth becomes when that myth when the lie becomes a myth it becomes the truth and so one of my goals with that is now is to flip the script and change that narrative and one key component of that is when you talk about men of color and gun rights because okay. one of the one important thing i think about is what happens is that the media kind of portrays that image of the uh the gangs that has the guns illegally and that's the lasting impression on a lot of people but that's not true you know Mm -hmm. i did do a study i did read a report that um over i think it's like 13 million um uh men of color women of color that has guns in america uh, legally, legally, and that's that's facts. Mm-hmm. And those are Absolutely. your average Joe, your doctors, your nurse, your 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 uh, truck drivers, you know, who lives every day, everyday lives, but at the same time, mm-hmm. want to to uh, protect yourself. And mm-hmm. I felt like the. And I felt like what was important to talk to you was about because you also as a co-founder of the Huey P. Newton um, Gun Club, which you guys do more than just a gun club. You guys are activists. Do You do a lot in the community. So can you talk about what you guys do to change that narrative?
2: Right. Um, we believe every organization is defined uh, by practical solutions that they can actually give people. Uh, you have a lot of organizations who are more or less rhetorical. You know, they talk a lot of information, but they don't give the people any practical use uh, of programs. Uh, so what we're, what we're involved in in our community, are we're involved in actual patrols uh, where we go out and we patrol the police department when they come into our communities. Uh, and we also have national survival programs that we teach our communities uh, for free. Uh, Basically, how to uh, survive in the event of an emergency, a a national disaster of anything that could happen. We try to prepare our people because we understand that there's nobody in the black community that's uh, teaching this kind of education and this kind of knowledge uh, to the black people, the black community in general.
1: And which is a key component and the beauty of uh, your organization and the teams that you partner up with is that you don't get government dollars. This is all you guys. You you guys mm-hmm. put your money together and you guys mm-hmm. figure a solution.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. We are, are forbidden in our bylaws to take one cent from the government. You know, once the government starts giving you funds and start giving you money, they basically have control of your organization. Uh, And we don't want that, and we can't have that. So everything that we do is either funded by ourselves or is funded by the people. Uh, We're strictly a grassroots organization, and we do not take donations from the government. You're absolutely
1: correct. And then also the key component, like you said earlier, was education. Um, I think the key component is understanding the history between the Second Amendment and Mm -hmm. Blacks' uh, freedom in the United States, in America. They kind of mm-hmm. go hand in hand together. If you go back to the civil rights movement, even before mm-hmm. the civil rights movement, that played a right. key role. Can you talk about that a little bit?
2: Uh, first and foremost, we'll start with, uh, we'll, we'll go all the way back to, uh, to slavery. Uh, we know that they had every reason to try to keep guns out of the hand of black people because they were afraid that uh, black people would rebel against their slave masters. So that's what brought in what we know now as the slave patrol, which have come to be known as the everyday police departments. Uh, black people earned their own freedom. A lot of people say we were emancipated through Lincoln, but you know we were not uh, released by the Southerners in the South. Right. Uh, so after the, after the emancipation, over 200,000 black men joined uh, the Union Army And we fought and we basically liberated ourselves. Uh, The Union and the South was in a stalemate until the black men uh, actually joined the movement. And we understand that no people can completely be free unless they have the means to defend themselves. Hence the Civil Rights Movement and and what these brothers and sisters did during the uh, the 60s. A lot of those were uh, nonviolent protests, but you can guarantee there were people there that were absolutely armed doing these movements.
1: Yeah, because when I think about it, too, is uh, I think about Rosa Parks, uh, her story uh, when she was a little girl. She would sneak and see her grandfather outside with a rifle outside of their house, fearing that the Ku Klux Klan were going to attack them, especially Mm -hmm. as when she got older, her and her husband, you know, they believed the Second Amendment. Um, Mm -hmm. They had guns on the table fearing that, you know, the the KKK was going to come back because at that time you had... Massive lynching, you had house bombing, you have all that things going on at that Mm -hmm. same time. So, you know, they felt like they had to arm themselves to protect themselves in case that happened. And that happened often.
2: Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, there's been uh, no freedom movement or no liberation movement that did not include uh, some type of gun, some type of weapons are for the people to defend themselves and we have to understand that america has done everything possible to keep guns out of the hands of black people even uh when you see the media image it's more of a criminalization but uh, like you gave the uh, stats earlier there are i would say 80 percent of black people own their guns own their guns legally and right. went through the uh, correct process so uh we have to get over it looking at the uh american media system and and their statistics and we have to understand that uh criminals are not the ones that own guns in the black community but self-righteous hard people i mean of course criminals own guns but that's every ethnic group not just I agree. black I agree.
1: and then the key thing is how do you change that narrative because again you're about community outreach you know building a community and sometimes what happens is that people take that as being anti-cop and anti-white so what what do you do to you know change that uh, thought process when people think about your organization and organizations like yourself that's trying to do the right thing but at the same time you have people say oh you're anti-cop and you're this and which is not true so how do you um direct that conversation
2: Right. Uh, well, we're not anti-cop, uh, we're not anti-government, uh, we're anti-racist cop, uh, we're anti-racist government. But you have to look at the fact, every America is a small country, and every, every ethnic group has the right to be here in this country. Uh, so again, it's, it doesn't behoove us or any other uh, ethnic program to, to be racist. It's not going to get us anywhere. Uh, Our foundation is based on love uh, for black people, and that's what we head our movement with. Uh, Love, uh, unity, respect, and humbleness in the black community. So that's how we are when we go out and we educate people on their gun rights, on their civil rights, on the Second Amendment, on human rights.
1: Because I think that's an important that's an important thing that you brought up, too, because a lot of people don't know about, especially with the history of the Black Panther movement, is that they weren't anti-white. They weren't anti-cop. They were anti-establishment. You know, yeah. they played a big role with um, uh, the women's movement as well as the gay and brothers uh, community at that time, because before, you know, it was taboo at that time. But at the same time, Mm -hmm. they were supporting them, too, as well as it was the they had a group called the Pink Panther Movement, which was like the white version of the Black Panther. And so, you know, if you look back in history, you know, they weren't that. They were all about love for everybody, even though their Mm -hmm. main focus was their community. But if another community needed help, they helped
2: them out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh Let me just say that the Panthers and the movement of the 60s uh, with the original Black Panthers was a very unique movement. And you're right. They were not racist towards any ethnic group. They were racist towards uh, oppression in general. They were racist towards uh, fascism in general. So uh, that was a very unique movement. Uh, It's kind of hard now in 2020 to go back and reinvent the wheel. Right. Uh, But uh, right now, we do understand the message that they brought forth, and and we try to uh, we try to live on that platform. Absolutely.
1: So, as a father, that dynamic of you know, how do you educate your kids about you know, rights and responsibility when it comes to guns? Because I think that's the key question mm-hmm. dynamic when you talk about the Second Amendment. It's mm-hmm. understand yes, you have the right legally to own a gun if you go through the proper channel but your responsibility and i feel like that kind of conversation is kind of diluted so can you talk about that a little bit
2: uh yeah one of the things uh one of the main things that we teach uh with the huey p newton gun club is first safety uh how to handle the firearms and the responsibility that goes along with the ownership of that firearm uh we we make sure to uh that people understand that when you purchase a firearm, you now have the power of life and death. So just because you go out and get into a, a small argument, if your life is not in a direct threat, you cannot pull that trigger. So there's responsibility that comes along with the purchase and the ownership of a firearm. A firearm is basically to defend yourself and to defend your family. So just because you go out and get it again into a small, minute argument that you cannot take a person's life. So we we try to drill that into uh, anyone's head uh, when we're out teaching and educating the masses of people.
1: I hear that, man. So um, what do you think is the right age to teach a, a child about guns do you think do, what do you think would be the right age because i know parenting when you teach kids you know some kids per, get information a lot quicker than other kids but what would be like the basic right age to, to tell kids about you know about guns and how to use guns
2: right uh, it's basically up to the child and his understanding and his awareness uh some are Some are as early as five years old because they have the basic understanding of how the gun functions and how the mechanisms work. Uh, As far as the responsibility aspect of it, we would say about 13 to 14 years old before we could actually just put a weapon into a child's hand and we can go out and actually take him out to the gun range. So um, they can start learning the mechanisms as early as five or six years old, but for them to actually say own a twenty-two rifle like. Like some children do, we would say about 14 to 15 years old. But again, it depends on each, t- on each child and his ability to understand and comprehend uh, what he's doing with that weapon.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I definitely agree with that. Um, also, you know, the key component, like I was saying earlier, is that you're not uh, just a gun club, you also do other things in a community. What other things do you do in the community?
2: Well, again, um, we have our basic survival programs. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of a bug out bag. Yes. Uh, this is the, yeah, okay, this is the bag uh, of resources that in the event of an emergency that you're able to live off just what you have in this bag for anywhere from three to 90 days. So, you know, most of the black communities never heard of a bug out bag. They don't have a clue of what that is or what it's for. So uh, we, have, we have weekly classes uh, that teach people the importance of preparing yourself. Uh, again, we have other survival aspects, which also feature food, clothing, and shelter that we took from the original party. So, uh, we go out and we hand out food and we hand out clothing and we help with shelter as much as we can. Uh, we have an Atlanta chapter of the Huey P Newton gun club who have actually went out and purchased houses and they are under renovation, uh, for uh, single mothers and, and mothers with children and uh, you know, just homeless people that they can help. So we're, we're pretty active in the community as far as our community programs are concerned.
1: And pertaining to the, the uh, pandemic, what are you guys doing in the community to help them, to educate them about the, uh, the pandemic? Uh,
2: actually, right now, uh, we're just coming off a lockdown ourselves. So uh, we've been sharing a lot of information uh, through social media, uh, as far as what type of equipment that you use, uh, basically the N95 mask, this is the mask that uh, stops the virus from uh, coming through. We've been sharing information as far as that concerned, and, and other information concerning basically uh, gas masks and things of that nature, protection that you could use to uh, keep yourself free from the virus. So uh, not a lot that we've been doing, particularly uh, as far as the coronavirus mostly just kind of educating from the social media since we haven't been able to actually get with the people because of social distancing.
1: Awesome. And then my last question is what do you say to someone that's novice when it comes to purchasing their first gun? Like what advice do you have for them?
2: Uh, Go out and first of all, do your research. Uh, Maybe Google a couple of things, Google a couple guns, but go out and get a feel, put the actual weapon in your hand, uh, see how it feels. Uh, if you're a novice, of course, you're not going to have a lot of information, but talk to people, have a discussion. Uh, do you want an eight round magazine? Do you want a 15 round magazine? Uh, a lot of things go into that. Do you want a weapon that's small enough for you to conceal? Or do you want a weapon that's uh, capable of having a high capacity magazine? So. There's a lot of variations that go in into a, a novice purchasing their first gun. Uh, but the main thing that you have to do is go out and, and do some research before you just go out and purchase a weapon. So the more research, the better. That's great advice, sir.
1: Again, I want to thank you for taking the time to take taking the time to talk to me. I really appreciate it. I love the work that you're doing and your organization are doing. Um, you know, you always have time to talk to me if you guys got anything new going on. And I just love that intellectual conversation when we talk about what uh, struggles and the positive things that happens in the black community. Um, Again, sir, I thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me.
2: Okay, absolutely. And thank you for having me. So if you decide to uh, have a further discussion, you can reach out to me anytime.
1: I appreciate that, sir. You have a good day, man. Don't be a stranger. Absolutely. Okay.
0: All for you. Yeah, yeah. Yo. There whenever it matters and even more when you feel like it doesn't. You so you never feel like you wasn't Know I'm right alongside you Here that or I'm behind you But always got you End of discussion Nothing means more First one to offer his shoulders For what you reach for Thought I saw the eyes of the world Until I seen yours <laughs> And know that I ain't see a better view yet I'm with whatever So don't ever you fret Know that you covered Not a hurdle or a heartbreak to change will a partake Cause none of them won't ever get comfortable In your walkway My job is to aware you Fully load prepare you For all of the above That I'm never letting get near you we still in awe Give you every advantage I found Couldn't find a better fit for them Along with my crown And since the baton was passed Hopping down Cause failing's not an option And dad is not a noun Not at all My message to any dad, man First off, know that Yeah, it, it is a hard job But it's the greatest job in the world I wouldn't trade it for anything I wouldn't change anything about it Everything you're doing from here on out If it didn't have purpose before Now it has purpose It's the most important thing you'll ever do
2: Just be a dad.